Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we look at South Africa's 4-2 win over Nigeria in the final of the Aisha Buhari Women's Invitational Tournament in Nigeria. Our Banyana Banyana set to become Africa's top women's team. And we hear from Patrice Bermel, the Ivory Coast national team coach, who feels that while the side lacks the big names of a few years ago, the elephants still have great talent. We are a bit in the shade of uh, strong, strong names like uh, Drogba, like uh, Colo Touré, Yaya Touré, but we still have plenty talents in this squad. That's coming later, plus Stuart on the English Premier League as Chelsea play Manchester City this weekend. Well, first, in women's football, South Africa got their biggest win ever over rivals Nigeria, winning the final of the Aisha Buhari Women's Invitational Tournament in Onikan in Nigeria by four goals to two. A great result for South Africa, but the Banyana Banyana coach Desiree Ellis feels that it's too soon to say that her team are better than Nigeria. They've delivered, but now we need more and more and more. You know, um, we wanted to test ourselves and we were, we, were, we were duly tested. But we need to now be consistent in what we do. Um, you know, Nigeria has been consistent over a couple of years and uh, we mustn't forget that they will be back. And I think we've got the mix in this tournament just like with the youth and experience. The players were absolutely magnificent. You know, players came in and we had one training session with the overseas-based players but of playing together before... Um, but having not seen them for two years um, shows that, you know, there's there's a, a lot of quality, but there's a lot of teamwork involved. And we just, we're just excited that we could put up that performance for the fans. Um, we haven't seen any fans in our stadiums, but we, we, we know that we put a smile on the face and we know our country is going through a terrible time with COVID. And we hope that this put a smile on the faces back of people back home. That's the South Africa women's coach, Desiree Ellis. So six teams took part in the Aisha Buhari Invitational Tournament in Nigeria. South Africa beat Ghana in their other game. Now, Nigeria are nine-time African champions, while South Africa have never won the Africa Women's Cup of Nations. Uh, but this looks like a significant result, Ida. It was a big result for Banyana Banyana, Steve. And look, I know there are those out there who, you know, will say that the Aisha Buhari tournament maybe isn't as high profile as the Africa Women's Cup of Nations, perhaps. But at some point, it's also about playing for pride, you know, the bragging rights, as they're called. And in some shape or form, that had to be retribution for South Africa for that painful loss to Nigeria in the 2018 Auckland final. And it also happened to be Banyana's biggest ever win over the multiple African winners. Now, Steve, the South Africans have had to endure a disappointing string of results against Nigeria. They've lost six of their last 10 previous meetings since 2006, that uh, 2018 Auckland final included. But Banyana coach Desiree Ellis, well, she credited tactical analysis and information for the win, saying that the team spent hours, Steve, hours 
watching footage of the Nigerian team from previous tournaments, you know, the Turkish Women's Cup and what have you. And we all know that this is something that maybe hasn't been taken up too much in Africa, you know, this strategy and tactical awareness. And to make it worse for Nigeria, Steve, was the fact that they were hosts. But on the flip side of that, to make it even sweeter for the South Africans, well, they'd first beaten Ghana 3-0 in their opener. To make that a perfect record, Steve, against the West Africans. And I'm sure it must have been a thought, at least, as the tournament came to an end. You know, are these early signs that the power might slowly start shifting from the West to the East, you know? And look, I'm sure there's still some way to go for all of that. But this should spur some thoughts, Steve, for the powers that be. And sure, of course, Nigeria does have a ton of superstars. You know, the likes of Asisa Toshoala, for example, in as much as she didn't participate in this particular tournament. But over the last few years, well, South Africa has also started to produce its string of new, fresh, global-level talent, you know, the likes of Tembi Katlana, for example, that can give them a run for their money and match them toe-for-toe. So all this, Steve, ultimately is sure to improve the quality, is sure to improve the levels of women's football in the continent. Yes, and next up for South Africa, they're hosting the Kasafa Women's Championship for Southern Africa. That starts on Monday. Right, a word on the CAF Champions League, the preliminary round having some very close games. Malawi's Nyasa Big Bullets knocked out by Amazulu of South Africa, who turned it around in the second leg. And a Fortune FC of the Gambia knocked out on penalties by two-time African champions Antont Setif of Algeria. A Fortune winning the first leg 3-0, Antont winning the second leg by the same scoreline to make it 3-3 on aggregate and then winning it on penalties. And Royal Leopards of Eswatini surprise winners over Zesco United of Zambia. The first round ties are on next month. The winners will qualify for the group stage. And one puzzling story this week as uh, the Confederation of African Football published the venues for next month's World Cup qualifiers. Uh, Still, many teams are not allowed to play their home games at home because their stadiums don't meet the minimum standards. Uh, That's the case for Mozambique, and they've decided to host Cameroon in Morocco uh, rather than in neighbouring South Africa. So a very long journey for Mozambique. And Morocco is also going to be the temporary home venue for Burkina Faso, Djibouti, Mali, Guinea and Guinea-Bissau next month. Right next here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, to a foreign coach with great experience in Africa. That's Patrice Beaumel, the Ivory Coast national team coach. Beaumel is from France, and he was assistant to the fellow Frenchman Hervé Renard when they won two editions of the Africa Cup of Nations, the first with Zambia in 2012 and then with Ivory Coast in 2015. Now, Bermel became the head coach of the Elephants last year, and he spoke to Mark Leeson of the Kosafa podcast, first looking ahead to next January's Africa Cup of Nations in Cameroon. Uh, every competition looks different. Uh, we are four months before before the, the start of this uh, competition, and uh, it's too early to talk about that. 
because the players they have first of all to concentrate uh, on, on the club's uh, games. We start the season with the clubs, so it's still very far, but uh, it will be my seventh uh, Africa Cup of Nations participation. I mean, since 2010, I never missed any competition. But uh, of course, it's a lot of experience. I won two, so it can get a good advantage. But as I said, every competition is different, and it's not because you won in the past that uh, that you you will be uh, you will get a good advantage. But I will use my experience uh, to say that uh, such competition we have to be consistent. I believe that uh, my hope is to go as far as possible with the elephants. Does this current generation of uh, uh, Cote d'Ivoire do they? Do they not struggle, but do they live a little bit in the shadow of the of the Drogba, Kolotoure, uh, Yaya Toure generation? Uh, I think uh, in each uh, country, sometimes uh, it's not like we are lacking talent because Ivory Coast we have plenty talents. Sometimes uh, it's uh, you know maybe you need one or two years to regulate because it's never easy to get success and to win. Of course, in the past when you look at the, the lineup, it was like wow, we are playing a top team in the world uh, because uh, out of the line, uh, lineup and the substitutes, they were all playing in top clubs. But today, when I look at my my squad and uh, all the players can can reach uh, the the national team, we have plenty talent. Uh, we have some players who get the maturity, like uh, Serge Aurier, Eric Bailly, I mean uh, Max Allen Gradel, Gervinho. Uh, they got some maturity, but uh, still we have some young players who just get back from uh, Olympics and uh, we have talent. So now it's a matter of building a team spirit all together. It was uh, what I was saying a few minutes ago. Um, I think talent is here, but now we have to, to play such important game to build our team spirit and to show that we are still a strong, strong team in Africa. I mean, Ivory Coast, when you are coaching Ivory Coast uh, in Africa, it's a top team and uh, everybody expects Ivory Coast to, to reach high level. But uh, I can tell you, of course, we are a bit in the shade of uh, strong, strong names like uh, Drogba, like uh, Colo Touré, Yaya Touré, uh, Maestro, uh, DJ Zocola, etc., etc. But still, we still have plenty of talents in this squad. And, and so what are the qualities then of the, of the current generation? I think uh, the quality, uh, I saw that during uh, AFCON 2019, uh, 23, uh, I think in terms of generosity and uh, commitment, they want to play together, and we saw that during Olympics. So it's a good generation. They know each other since uh, three, four years uh, already. And uh, you have uh, talent, pure talent like Ahmad Diallo, like Ahmed Junior Traore, such players, uh, Christian Kwame, they, they are the future of, uh, of uh, this squad because they are still young. They have 19, 18, 19 years old. So we just have to let them to work and uh, we are expecting them to, yeah, to be the, the new uh, stars in, in this squad. That's Patrice Beaumel, the Frenchman who's the Ivory Coast national team coach. He was speaking there to Mark Gleason of the Kosafa podcast. Well, Ivory Coast are in the World Cup group of death with Cameroon, who they beat 2-1 last month. 
And you certainly can't compare this elephant squad with the one of five to ten years ago. But with that promising showing at the Olympics,、uh, maybe Pamel is right that the future is bright, Ida. Well, the Ivorians and their fans would sure hope so, Steve. I mean, it was a good performance in Tokyo. You know, getting to the quarterfinals, they lost to Spain in a game that, if you remember, we said was actually winnable for the elephants. And before that was a draw with Germany and a draw with Brazil as well. I mean, pretty impressive stuff, honestly. And you're right, Steve. The Ivory Coast of before is definitely it is not comparable with any that will come after it. The Drogba, Yaya Toure, Kolodouri era, as mentioned. I mean. This is a team that qualified for three consecutive World Cups between 2006 and 2014, and that was before winning the Nations Cup in 2015. Well, look, the only way any squad can possibly eclipse that is perhaps to get to a further stage than them in the World Cup. And as you've heard the coach say, they do have a team right now that pretty much consists of those that can lend their experience. You know, we're talking the likes of Serge Aurier, those who've played at the very top. You know, like the Man United duo, Madiallo, Eric Bailly. You know, Arsenal's Nicolas Pepe. You know, who's also part of the you know the youthful aspect of the team. So it definitely is a mix of youth and experience. And also, just to echo what Bumel has said, there were many positives, I think, as well, to take from the young elephants' performance at the 2019 Under 23 African, where they finished as runners-up to Egypt. And you add the Olympics to that, which was also, you know, predominantly it was largely an Under 23 competition, and there's lots of promise for the future, Steve. Looking at the World Cup qualifiers, well. Ivory Coast currently topped the table with four points after two rounds. Cameroon have three, while Malawi and Mozambique follow. And that element, you know, of having both Ivory Coast and Cameroon in the same group, have really made it come across as the group of death. But this is also a hugely experienced professional. We're talking about Steve here, you know, Bomel, that is. And with the accolades he's notched up, it's safe to say that he has experience operating at the very top levels. Yes, and Ivory Coast next game is a World Cup qualifier away to Malawi next month. Thanks, Ida. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Still to come, Stuart on the English Premier League. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA, and you can download our app and listen to the show any time, and also access past programs in our archive. To download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store, and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. And our website is planetsport.tv, and in the blog section of our website, Planet Sport Football Africa's Russ Bravo looks at the return of fans to the stadiums in the English Premier League, and how the encouragement makes such a difference for the players, and also how encouragement helps in matters of faith.、Uh, the blog is called Why the Fans Matter So Much.、Uh, to read it, go to our website, planetsport.tv, and click on the blog section at the top on the right. 
Well, to social media now. And last week we asked her, do Chelsea have what it takes to win the English Premier League? A very good start to the season for the Blues with 13 points now from five games, only dropping points in a draw with Liverpool where they played half of the game with 10 men. Romelu Lukaku is banging in the goal. So last week we asked, do Chelsea have what it takes to win the league with manager Thomas Tuchel? With the comments, here's Planet Sport Football Africa's Ash Tikiwa. Thanks, Steve. And we start on WhatsApp with Emmanuel in Nigeria who says, I strongly believe Chelsea have what it takes to win the EPL. Manager Thomas Tuchel has made the team very formidable and very hard to beat in every department, especially with the addition of Romelu Lukaku. The morale in the squad is very high and they can face any team without fear of defeat, says Emmanuel. And Alassana Drame in the Gambia agrees, Chelsea have a good team and they are in good form under coach Tuchel, says Alassana. Lukaku has been exceptional, and no doubt his scoring will bring Chelsea success. And we always welcome your voice notes here on Planet Sport Football Africa. And here's Mono John in Zambia. Based on current form, I think Chelsea, yes, are the team to beat, and they're likely to be in their end of May challenging for the title. Gemor, a Cameroonian living in the USA, isn't quite as sure, but he certainly believes the Blues have a great opportunity. Chelsea is definitely a contender for this EPL season, says Gemor. They seem to have carried the momentum from last season into the new season and have added a clinical striker that is going to score goals. And our Haj Ibu in the Gambia agrees. Yes, for sure Chelsea can win, says our Haj. They are the European champions and have a team that can win anything that comes their way. But it will be tough for them to win the EPL because City and United are strong opponents who can win the EPL. Daniel Bachman is in Ghana. Thomas Tuchel has done a great job within a few months. He is having a full season with Chelsea this time. The competition is huge, but we can only hope for the best, says Daniel. And here's another voice note, this time from Osei Richard in Ghana. Lukaku has started well, scoring three goals in, in the four matches or so, yeah. But for Chelsea to win the league, I think it's too early for us to say that. Let's see after the first round, and then we, we can see who win the league. And Frida Vienda Okachi in Kenya agrees with Richard. It's too early to judge if they will win the EPL, says Frida. However, the players are packing so much in defense, way to prevent the other teams from winning. Maybe they will finish among the top five. And there's another voice note from Moses Yaro Jr. in Ghana. First of all, I would say Chelsea is having a big squad. Mendy is a good keeper. And the defenders too, Rudiger is performing. He's a good defender, yeah. But for the striker, Lukaku is performing well. That doesn't mean maybe they are having a big squad that can win the EPL. Because now, this season, every team is now preparing to, like, win the EPL. Liverpool is trying their possible best, and United is trying their possible best to win the EPL. So, you can't just predict it. But Ishmael Bendu in Sierra Leone doesn't agree. No, says Ishmael. Tuchel's preferred style of play will soon be cut up by Manchester City and Manchester United. This Chelsea side will inevitably shrink with their high-press counter-attack football in the second half of the season. And Isaac Danny in Sierra Leone agrees. Tuchel is not going to win the EPL, says Isaac. Come the end of the season, one of the Manchester clubs is going to win the league. Chelsea will win something, maybe the EFL Cup or the FA Cup, but not the EPL. And in Kenya, Edwin Wesonga agrees with Ishmael and Isaac. 
No, Chelsea don't have what it takes to win the EPL, says Edwin. Manchester United have got all it takes to win the EPL. And I'm not even debating this, as we have CR7, the GOAT, the greatest of all time. But Joel, a Chelsea fan in Nigeria, is optimistic. Based on my own view, I think so, says Joel. But sometimes football is unpredictable. But we certainly have the materials, starting from our goalkeeper and going to our forwards. We have quality players, so we're good to go. And Mwenda Zambwe in Zambia agrees Chelsea have what it takes to win the title. Very much so, says Mwenda. Chelsea look complete and have a strong squad that can win EPL. And Ahaj Manga in the Gambia echoes a similar view. For Chelsea, it is too early to consider them as the EPL champions, simply because the Premier League is full of surprises and team management is another thing to always think about, as well as injuries, says Ahaji. But to be frank, Chelsea have the firepower, especially when it comes to goal-scoring capacity, and Lukaku will cause a lot of trouble for defenders this season. And here's a voice note from Manchester United fan Oms K. Baji in the Gambia. I agree with the fans of Chelsea to say Chelsea is the best team so far because um, they have all what it takes to be champions in the EPL and even defend the UEFA Cup. Chelsea, they have a complete team and of course they also have a very good technician whom I always say it's, it's not a coach but it's a technician. I am a fan of Manchester United though but Chelsea is the best team 2021-2022 season. So there you are, Steve, a mixed bag of responses again this week. But this final comment from John Ansa in Ghana sums up many of the responses we've received this week. Yes, says John, Chelsea do have what it takes, but it's too early in the season to predict that they are the title favourites. Well, thanks, Ash. That's Planet Sport Football Africa's Ash Tikiwa. Thanks to everyone who got in touch. It's always great to hear from you. And, uh, yeah, I do think Chelsea have got a big chance, but we will see how it goes in the coming weeks. Well, more on the English Premier League now. Joined by our European football expert, Stuart Weir, in the UK. Chelsea Man City, the game of the weekend. Uh, that's on Saturday. And uh, it's a big one, this. Yes, and Chelsea certainly do look good with an emphatic 3-0 winner Tottenham last weekend. The strange thing is that Chelsea and Liverpool are equal top of the table with an identical record because they played each other and drew 1-1 and apart from that they've each had three 3-0 wins and one 2-0 win. Strange coincidence that. But Chelsea I think already had an excellent squad of players and then adding Lukaku somehow just was the final piece in the jigsaw. But curiously, for all the great strikers, the three goals against Tottenham came from unusual sources. Defenders Thiago Silva and Antonio Rudiger, and sort of you might say defensive midfield player Engola Kante were the scorers. Incidentally, Thiago Silva at 36 is the oldest player ever to score in the Premier League. And funnily enough, last year at 35 he was also the oldest. While Chelsea were scoring three, Manchester City played out a draw, nil-nil with Southampton. And even though the Manchester City starting lineup had 463 international caps between them, they only managed one shot on target in 90 minutes. So I think, with home advantage this weekend, Chelsea have a great chance to win the game and open up a six-point lead over Manchester City. And don't forget that Chelsea have been getting the better of City in recent cup ties. 
Yeah, well, that would certainly be significant for those who are tipping Chelsea to take the title. And match day five was eventful last weekend, Stuart. Uh, one big talking point, Manchester United's 2-1 win over West Ham. Uh, West Ham awarded a stoppage time penalty, a chance to equalise. And West Ham manager David Moyes decided to bring on Mark Noble as a substitute to take the penalty, only for David De Gea to save it. Well, whatever you say about that game, Steve, it wasn't dull. West Ham took the lead, Manchester United equalised, and then in the 88th minute, who else but Jesse Lingard, who had been on loan from Manchester United at West Ham last season, scored what proved to be the winning goal. Then came that penalty in the 94th minute, and David Moyes deciding to bring on Mark Noble to take the penalty with his first kick. And... David De Gea saved the penalty, ending a sequence for him going back to April 2016 of not having saved any of the 40 penalties he faced. The result was Manchester United's 30th away game in a row without losing. And just going back to Mark Noble for a moment, this is his 17th season at West Ham. That's longer at any one club in any of the top leagues in Europe. What a servant he's been and what a shame it ended that day, the way it did. Yeah, and uh, West Ham getting some revenge uh, with a midweek win in the EFL Cup uh, over Manchester United. And uh, Stuart uh, been praising the way that the VAR's been going, but uh, the controversy seemed to return last weekend. Just when we thought that everything was going smoothly and the referee's so-called lighter touch and less interventions by VAR, we had a weekend of VAR controversy. First of all, there was John Moss' decision to send off Kyle Walker of Tottenham and award a penalty to Southampton. He was then advised to look at the incident on the pitch side monitor and he completely reversed the decision. No penalty, no red card. Then there was Brighton awarded a penalty against Leicester when VAR spotted that the ball had struck Westergaard's arm but apparently didn't notice that the reason it struck the arm was because Neil Maupe was pulling him so that he was falling down and his arm went up in the air. Leicester also had two goals controversially disallowed when Harvey Barnes was twice adjudged to be in an offside position, hampering the goalkeeper's view without touching the ball. Leicester manager Brendan Rodgers was incredibly gracious, but he had seen three decisions go against his team. And again, they lost by a single goal. But for me, the thing that concerned me most was that Ronaldo seemed to be fouled twice in the penalty area by West Ham, Zuma and Kufal, and no penalty was given. Now, this isn't about Ronaldo, who of course divides opinion as to whether he goes down too easily. But what concerns me is recently retired referee Peter Walton, commenting on the incident, said both of them would have been penalties last season, but not this season. But the law has not changed. But there's an experienced referee saying that the interpretation of the law has changed to such an extent that two tackles where Zuma and Kufo did not get the ball, but clearly made contact with Ronaldo. That, apparently, is no longer a penalty. Yes, a lot of uh, controversial decisions last weekend. And, uh, Stuart, one African player to watch out for this season seems to be Senegal's Ismail Assar, uh, doing well at Watford. Yes, he got two goals uh, against Norwich City. 
as newly promoted Watford recorded their second win in five games. And that was a third goal in the season for Saar. But overall, it was an excellent weekend for African goal scorers, with Liverpool's three goals against Crystal Palace coming from three different African players, Sergio Mani, Mo Salah, and Naby Keita. And that was the first time that Naby Keita had scored in over a year. West Ham saw a goal from their Algerian side, Ben Rama. Brand Buena scored for Brentford. OK, he's French, but from a Cameroon family. And going back to Watford, they had four Africans in their team last weekend, three Nigerians and a Senegalese player. When Mo Salah saw his penalty against AC Milan in the Champions League saved last week, it ended a run of 16 successful penalties that Salah had taken for Liverpool. And on that subject, Ivan Toney scored a penalty for Brentford at the weekend, and that's 12 in a row for him. Wayne Rooney's Derby County have taken 10 points from 8 games to leave them 12th in the Championship, but sadly not for long. Unable to find a buyer of the club, it has gone into administration and they will suffer a 12-point deduction, leaving them bottom on minus two points. In addition to that, they are likely to receive a further nine-point deduction for financial irregularities and with players likely to be sold to pay off the club's debts. Wayne Rooney certainly has his work cut out to keep the club in the championship, let alone think about promotion. Yeah, really tough times for former Premier League club Derby. Thanks a lot, Stuart. A quick word before we go on the Italian Serie A, where Juventus are really struggling without Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, just above the relegation zone. And Napoli's fantastic start continues with a midweek victory, meaning they have five wins out of five. And Nigeria's Victor Osimen has scored five goals in his last three games. So Napoli going great guns in the Italian Serie A. Well, that's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers and Ash Tikiwe in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi, and from Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.